You're listening to Destined Women Ministries, the podcast. Enjoy. It is five o'clock in the morning on a Thursday, and we are back for part two of Your Times Are in His Hands. And we thank the Lord for this opportunity to come together again. Father, you're so awesome. We thank you for being in the midst of us. We thank you for empowering us and for helping us, God. We thank you for your spirit moving in us and just living within us and leading us and instructing us and guiding us in every single step we take. Hallelujah. We love you so much. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Now, Father, we're asking that you speak to us. You are our Father. We need to hear from you. All of our answers. All of our expectations are in you. Okay. So we need you, God. We need you to speak to us. We need you to give us understanding. We need you to speak and impart and loose peace into us in the name of Jesus Christ as we wait for you in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Thank you for teaching us to trust you. Thank you for teaching us how to pray. Hallelujah. We love you. We thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I feel the the presence of the Lord and honestly, the pleasure of the Lord so much with this um, topic. It's like he takes pleasure in, in his children, understanding the concept of waiting on him. When you love somebody, you wait for them, don't you? Don't you wait. Don't you wait for them while they're getting ready. You know there's something that y'all supposed to be doing. There's a set appointment. There's a set date. And you gotta. You just got to wait. You got to wait for them to get ready before you get going. Hallelujah. And so we're going to keep talking about our times being in God's hands. And some of us need to learn how to wait. See, in this waiting time, we should be learning how to pray. We should be learning how to fast. We should be learning how to read and delight ourselves in the Lord. We should be learning how to meditate upon his word. We should be learning how to um, uh, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and change our identity from the old person into this new person. Hallelujah. By conforming to the word and the will of the Lord. This is all that we're doing while we're waiting. It is it, packed up. We're busy as we're waiting. We're not bored as we're waiting. We're not confused as we're waiting. There are specific instructions within the word of God that um, detail how we're supposed to be and who we're supposed to be as we received and are being prepared to receive these promises from the Lord Jesus Christ that we're waiting for, whatever it is, if it's your deliverance, if it's your joy, if it's your peace, if it's your spouse, if it's your career, if it's your degree, whatever it is. Glory to God. There's a way that we are supposed to wait when we are godly people. And we learned about that on Monday. Okay. Amen. So when it came to this topic, the Lord brought Hannah to mind. Okay. He brought Hannah to mind. Um, when we speak about waiting and there is a specific, um, word that the Lord highlighted to me because it wasn't so much Um, what the Lord brought to me, what we would usually hear about Hannah's prayers and Hannah's cry. That's going to be a part of it, but that wasn't the, the bulk of what God brought to my memory. He brought to my memory this, the Lord remembered her. Whoa, wait, because y'all already know I'm excited in the Holy spirit right now. So I'm going to keep it together. I'm going to keep it together. And the Lord remembered her. This is what the Lord brought to mind concerning this topic of your times being in God's hands. And he led me to just do like a little word study, a word study on what remember means in this context. Okay. So you all can turn with me to first Samuel, the first chapter and verse 19. Okay. And this is after Hannah is praying after she reaches a certain level of desperation. And she says, you know what? I'm not going to be complacent. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to be in distress. I'm going to go and pray. I'm going to take all that stuff and I'm going to pray. And, um, when she made up her mind that she was going to pray and, um, seek the Lord for what she wanted and give it back to him. And I've taught y'all about this. I have taught about this. It's such a beautiful thing. Um, when God brings us to a place where the things that we desire, um, we've waited for them and we've, we've learned and we've come into such submission that we say, you know what, God, everything that I've been praying for, when you give it to me, I'm giving it right back to you. 
it's all yours. And a lot of the times, this is the character that God is looking for. Because sometimes, you know, before it was just Hannah just wanting a son because she, for, for cultural reasons, for her own personal reasons, and because her husband's other wife is so fruitful and constantly taunting her, you know, Hannah wanted a child. But when she became really desperate, this thing didn't have nothing to do with her husband. It didn't have anything to do with her um uh, his other wife, excuse me, or their, their children. It didn't have anything to do with the culture. This thing became between her and God. She became desperate, desperate. Hallelujah. She became desperate for what it is that she wanted. And so, um, she, be, she began to pray and she said, God, I'm going to give this back to you. Okay. When you give it to me, I'm going to give him right back to you. Okay, and this is exactly what she did. Um, but let's read verse 19. It says, And they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah and Elkanah, knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wow. Okay. And the Lord remembered her. After all the things that she's gone through, after all the years of supposed barrenness, after all the years of not being able to produce, after all the years of confusion and inferiority and tears and fears and praying and wondering after all of this time, God remembers Hannah, my God. Why does he remember her at this specific time? So I want to give y'all some background context on what's going on. Right now we have Eli as the priest. Eli the priest is serving in the temple with his two sons, um, Hophni and Phinehas, okay? His two sons are said in scripture to be sons of Belial. That means they are worthless, they are stealing, from the Lord, they are um, being intimate with women in the most, I can't even talk. They are just not doing right by the Lord or by his people, okay? And his people are crying out and they need um, some answers. And you all, you can go and listen to Dr. Iona Locke, Samuel is growing. Y'all can just go listen to that sermon. Samuel is growing. If you just want a good perspective on um, God's hand and um, the way God answers. Y'all should just go and listen to Dr. Iona Locke. Samuel is growing. My God. Okay. All right. So um, while, um, you know, there, there are things going on. Okay. While Hannah is waiting for her child, she has no idea that there is, um, there are things going on and that in the mind and in the heart of God, he is orchestrating a response to what is going on. Amen. Amen. So it's not that God had ever forgotten about Hannah. It's not that God did not want her to have children. It's not that he needed her to wade and be taunted and all these things. It's that God chose Hannah to bring forth the response to what was going on in the temple at that time. Amen. Amen. So Hannah had to bring forth her fruit in her season. And so all that to say, this is what happens to the godly. We bring forth our fruit in our season. God does not allow us to bring forth fruit too early and he does not allow us to bring forth fruit late. So we see time passing and we're thinking that something is wrong because God did not respond to us immediately. And we don't even understand that God has responded to us in the most perfect way. And if it's really going to be right, then it has to come in the right season. So God has given us in our natural world, something called seasons. And we understand that in each season, there is a unique and specific thing to expect. We understand that in certain seasons, there are certain fruit that you're going to get, certain grain that you're going to get that you can't get in other seasons. We understand that in certain seasons, things are at their peak. We understand that in certain seasons, there are a specific and unique weather conditions. And we don't expect these seasons to mix and merge and fuse because that would be unnatural. That would be off. And we also don't expect for these seasons to come early or late because that also would be unnatural. That also would be off. And it would start throwing the, the, the world and the earth out of whack. 
So what do you think that means for you in the spirit when it comes to seasons? I want you to know that every winter is leading into spring and every spring is leading into summer and every summer is leading into fall and every fall is leading into winter. There are seasons for everything and every thing has its season and in each season there are contained specific events so when the winter comes we expect snow when the spring comes we expect rain when the summer comes we expect heat when autumn comes we expect leaves to begin to fall amen so um this is why things don't happen um when we want it to happen because our times are in God's hands and he's moving according to specific seasons that he has preordained. Now we need to learn how to say what the psalmist says or said, right? Lord, I trust you. You are my God. My times are in your hands. Okay. So there are seasons, seasons of healing, seasons of deliverance. Okay. And listen to this. In order for you to receive healing, you have to first receive knowledge. In order for you to receive deliverance, you have to receive enlightenment and understanding. There are times that God has to take to expose you to certain things. And he'll expose you to things by your behaviors, by encounters, by cycles, through dreams. He'll begin to expose you to the things that you need deliverance from. He'll begin to expose you to the things you need healing from. He will direct you right to the thing that you need to hear to give you understanding about something that you may have never even thought of, okay? And what this is doing is it's leading up to this climactic crescendo called your healing or called your deliverance. God is moving in times and seasons. And so um, a lot of us fall back into sin. We fall back into sin. A lot of us, uh, we may make mistakes. A lot of us feel like, okay, you know what? I'm not where I want to be. And we don't understand exactly what's going on. What's going on is that God needs you to focus on him long enough for him to give you wisdom and knowledge. You need to learn to Wait on God. Why? Because his times are in. No, let's switch it back. See, I was trying to be deep. Let's go back. Holy Spirit. Let's go back. Your times. There we go. Now we're getting deep are in his hands. Thank you, Jesus. So not only does things happen in uh, particular seasons in our life, like seasons of healing and seasons of deliverance, but God also has specific designs for your life assigned to certain times. So there are certain designs and certain things that are uh, set to materialize and manifest and come about at specific times in your life. There are specific times within specific seasons that God says, okay, this is when I want him to understand this. This is when I want her to get that. This is why I need her to, you know, change in that moment. This is why I need him to start praying for this amount of time in this particular um, season. Because God has specific designs for your life. And what it's doing is it's all bringing you into his ultimate will for your life. Whatever it is God has called you to do, whatever it is that God needs you to understand to become who he has created you to be. All these things are working together in various seasons and times within those seasons to bring it to pass. Okay, so you have to learn that while you are waiting, things are happening. Okay, while you're waiting, the stage is being set. Now, I don't know how long you have to wait. How long did Abraham and Sarah have to wait? How long did David have to wait? How long did Moses have to wait? Everybody has their own time, their own season, and their own um, period of waiting according to the own, their own specific design that God has designed for their life, according to the seasons um, that they, they need to encounter to become who God have uh, called them to be. So I don't know how long your seasons are going to be. I really don't, okay? Um, we don't know how long our seasons are going to be. And this is when we have to go back to what the psalmist said in the 31st Psalm, my times are in your hands. I trust you. You're my God. Okay. We're going to leave it at that. I know that there's no good thing that you'll withhold from those who walk uprightly before you. I know that you don't have anything against me. I know that you love me according to your word. And I know that all of this is working together for my good. What I need to do is just say, Lord, I trust you. You're my God. My times are in your hands. Amen. 
Amen. So the Lord remembered her. There, became, there, there came about a specific season, a specific time where there were things going around, going on all around her that she didn't even know had to do with her. There, there came a, a, a season and a time where God says, okay, now I'm going to bring forth from her what she's been crying for, what she's been desirous of, what she's been praying for, what she's been thinking about and pondering about and wondering about. I'm going to cause this thing to come forth now. After years, it's going to happen now. Okay. Amen. Yes. Say it with me like that. Say now. Say now. It's going to happen now. Just like that. Now. Okay. That's when it's going to happen. Okay. The Lord remembered her and he, and he said now, not tomorrow, not, not another day. She's going to conceive and she's going to bring forth now. Now God remembered her. You know, when I'm reading this, the Lord brought me to Isaiah 66 and eight. Let's go there. Let us go there. Y'all let's do it. Let's just take it all the way in. Why not? Mm, 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 mm. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Uh, Isaiah 66 and eight. It says, who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day or shall a nation be born at once? Mm, 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 mm. He says, for as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Mm. He says, um, does the earth is, shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Is this, have you ever seen anything like this? He says, but as soon as Zion begins to travail, she brings forth her children. God says, shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth? Shall the Lord, um, saith the Lord, shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb? Saith thy God, God says, listen, if you're travailing, you're going to birth something. So when you start going through seasons of distress, you feel like you're in labor when you're crying out in pain, when you need help and you, and there's a specific goal, a specific thing that you want to see happen. God is saying, um, shall I bring you to this point and not cause you to bring forth? Shall I cause you to go through all this and then shut up your womb that you don't conceive anything? Okay, that all this distress and all this laboring and all this sweat and all these tears, all this crying out and calling out, it's for nothing. You think I'm going to do that to you? He says, no, no, no. For as soon as you learn to travail, you will bring forth your children. Let me tell you something. We have to learn how to cry out to God. This generation within the body of Christ needs to learn how to travail. We have to learn how to travail. We have to learn how to cry out. We have to learn how to, from our bellies, okay, um, wail and cry out to God. Hallelujah. This is something that we don't know. We know, we know cute prayers, you know, we know the, this, um, the, the, the pretense and, and things like that, but we need to learn how to get on our knees. We need to learn how to get snotty nose and we need to learn how to travail. I'm talking about curled up in a fetal position, holding your stomach, rocking back and forth, screaming out to God. And this is where a lot of y'all, it may sound strange to you, but that that's what desperation looks like. That's what labor looks like. Okay. I, I had a cousin tell me what labor was like for her. And I heard another woman describe it as this. She said, there comes a point where you are just I mean, you're, it's so much pain that it almost feels like an outer body experience. Okay. And this is when you're screaming, you're how you don't care who hears you. You don't care how it looks. You don't care what happens. <laughs> you're in pain. It's not just being annoyed with the people around you. <laughs> it's not just, you know, you're going through a little bit of this or a little bit of that. It's legit. It's some pain that you've never experienced before. We need to learn how to travail in this generation. We need to learn. I'm telling you, it, it is like um, a release. Okay. And God says, when you, when you travail Zion, you bring forth. So a lot of us honestly are not desperate enough. A lot of us don't really, really want it because you're not broken enough to cry out to God yet. Okay. 
You're not broken enough to holler. Okay. And I know y'all say, well, that may sound, listen, you have to want what you're asking for. And there are certain signs that humans give of distress and desperation that says, yes, I'm serious. I want this. I'm not changing my mind. I'm not going back no more. I'm not turning back no more. I'm not sliding back anymore. I'm moving straight forward. My mind is made up. This is what I want. God, listen to me. I'm hollering out to you. I'm crying out to you. I don't care who hears me. I don't care what happens. I don't care if I'm late for work. I don't care how long I have to stay up tonight. I am wailing. I am travailing. I am crying out. I am bringing forth. I am tired of this. I am desperate. Send help now. Hannah, she travailed. And guess what, y'all? She brought forth. And it just so happened her travail came about in a specific season. Okay, all these things are happening in seasons. You you need to just pause right here and say, Lord, unlock my heart in the name of Jesus. Lord, open my heart because some of us are so upset with waiting and so um, embittered because of the things that we've gone through as we've been waiting on the Lord that we feel prideful even about crying out. Why should I have to do that? I don't have to do that. And all that other stuff. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. There are levels to prayer. There are depths in prayer and travailing takes you into a different level and a different depth. It has a specific purpose. Okay. And so we see Hannah travail. We see the times and the seasons around her, even though she's not aware of it. We see she's finally tired. She's finally desperate. She's not eating. She's not, she don't care. Nope. You're not better to me than 10 sons. No, she, she, she's, she's in distress. Okay. So much so that she looks drunk, looked like something wrong with her. She didn't care who saw her. She didn't care that the priest saw her. It didn't matter. And the Bible says that the Lord remembered her after that specific thing happened. Okay. And so this word remember is zakar. Okay. And that's what, um, this word remember means. And listen, it, it, it literally means, it means to be mindful of, or to, um, be put into remembrance of, right? But it also means to boast. Can y'all imagine that the Lord, when Hannah began to travail and her season came, that the Lord is like, I'm about to boast in her right now. She's conceiving all these years. And remember she came out with that song. Yeah, she, she dropped the song y'all. She dropped the song. She came up with this song after she had Samuel. And she's like, she, she was, she said she had a bunch of kids. I was like, she has a bunch of kids. She eventually did though. But you know, she was prophesying over herself. She was so happy with that one child that it was like she had seven kids or 10, 10 children. Um, that's how happy she was. But first, the whole act of her being able to conceive and have the children was God boasting in her. Okay. And this is how he gets his glory. Look at what I'm about to do for her. You see how she just cried out to me. You see all these years that she's waited. You see how I was preparing her and I was purifying her and I was bringing her into that right place that she needed to be to conceive something as great as Samuel. I'm about to boast in her. Check, check this out though. Something that really stood out to me. And then it's, um, extol. I'm about to extol her. I'm about to lift her up, but listen to this. Listen to this invoke invoke really stood out to me. Um, when it says God remembered her, can you imagine that in, in various seasons in your life? Okay. There will come a time where God invokes you and we want to be invoked as soon as we get saved. We want to be invoked as soon as we come to um, Jesus. We want to be invoked as soon as we pray two times. No, no, no. You are invoked after prayer, faithfulness, commitment. Don't tell me that you've been doing this for a year and you're tired. Don't tell me you've been doing this for three months and you want to give up. You ain't really, you don't really want it then. Come on. We put more time and dedication into relationships. Come on. We put more time and dedication into our college degrees. Come on, let's be honest, but we want to be invoked. Okay. And when, and, and when God invokes you, it's literally like he's causing you to, to come forth. It's like now 
after everything that has happened in these various times and seasons in this person's life, now it is time for them to materialize, for them to manifest. All these years, you've only ever saw Hannah as that childless person. After all those years, you only ever saw her as Elkanah's wife who couldn't have any children. But you didn't know Hannah like this. You didn't know this praying Hannah. You didn't know this travailing Hannah. You didn't know this Hannah that cries out to God for what she wants. You didn't know that it took all those years for Hannah to become that person. It's time. It's time for this. You didn't know her as the one who births out prophets for Israel. You don't know her that way. It's time for me to invoke her now. She's put in the work. She's put in the prayers. She's put in the tears. And everything she needed to put in to become the person she needed to be to bring forth. Your times are in God's hands. God forbid she would have had Samuel before um, she was desperate enough and, and humble enough and yielded enough to give him and offer him right to God. What if she would have kept him for herself and not said, God, he's yours. What would have happened to the people of God? See, we're only concerned about ourselves. And what we need to say is, God, whatever it is that you want to do in me, whatever it is that needs to be birthed in me, I'm giving it right back to you. It's yours. So God says, I invoked Hannah. After she prayed like that, after she's gone through this year after year after year, after the taunting, after the hurt, after the confusion, after the persecution, all that stuff. Are y'all getting excited? Because I'm getting excited. After all of those things, I'm invoking her now. Now you're going to see who she really is. She was never barren. Hallelujah. She was being processed. Hallelujah. To bring forth at the right time. Remember, the godly person brings forth fruit in their season. Never too early. Never too late. Hallelujah. God, in invoking Hannah, it's like he's summoning her. This is the real you. Yes, it's, it's birthed out of that cry. It's birthed out of that travail. It's birthed out of desperation. As long as you're comfortable, you're not going to cry out to me like that. As long as you are bearing all of these children with no problem, you're not going to cry out to me. You're not going to become this prayer warrior who I need you to be. Hallelujah. You're about to birth out a prophet to the nations. I need you to have a specific type of womb. I'm going to invoke you after you display certain character. I'm going to invoke you after you display certain dedication and commitment. I'm going to invoke you, cause you to bring forth, cause you to bring out, cause this thing to be carried out. I'm going to give rise to, I'm going to call you forth. Literally, when you invoke something, it means to earnestly call for. Hallelujah. He says, I'm calling for you, Hannah. Now that you've travailed, now that you've gone through these things, now that you've sown in tears, it's time for you to reap and joy. I'm calling you forth. Birth out these prophets. Birth out the response. Birth out this answer to the cries of the people. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Her times, she didn't know it. Her times, she did not know this. Her times were in the hands of God. So what you need to be doing while you're waiting, I don't want y'all to be sitting there expecting grandiose um, responses if y'all not praying. If y'all not praying, you're not fasting, you're not seeking the Lord, you're not sowing. I don't want y'all to be expecting nothing grandiose to happen. I need y'all to be applying yourself like you love Jesus and like your times are in his hands. Come on, I don't need nothing held back from me because of my own ignorance, because of my own stubbornness. I'm going to pour out as I'm waiting. Hallelujah. As I am going through everything I'm going through, I'm going to make sure that if I travail, I am bringing forth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hannah's times are always, they were always in the hands of God, even though she didn't know it. I want y'all to think about the children of Israel. They were um, 400 years in Egypt. They went from being in a place of comfort and being fruitful and having a nice space for themselves, their, their land, to, to, to literally being in a place of desperation. 
And they begin to call out to God. They say, listen, we can't take this anymore. We are being oppressed. We don't want to be here. We don't like this. They're crying out for help. And God remembered. Come on here. God remembered. And while this was happening, guess what? God was also preparing Moses to, and it had to be a unique set of circumstances. Come on. Remember what I said? God has a uh, specific designs for your life assigned to certain times. Okay. So see, in order for Moses to come forth, Amram and Josebed had to get together from the tribe of Levi. All these things had to be happening, had to be going on. Not just their love story, but then there's this context of what Pharaoh was doing. Um, all these things had to happen. And, you know, his mom had to be bold enough to hold on to him and then let him go down the Nile. And, you know, um, Pharaoh's daughter to see him and take him in. All this stuff had to happen. Specific designs for your life assigned to certain times. And God was raising him up. And I remember asking God, well, why did you use Moses? Why didn't you raise someone up, you know, who was already, um, you know, in Egypt? Why didn't you raise somebody, empower them, enlighten them to do it? Someone that they, they knew well. And God said, because they didn't value freedom. See, Moses, um, he wasn't a slave. Moses, he lived in um, the palace. He was raised like royalty. Okay. And let me tell you something before they killed him or imprisoned him. He ran away. Y'all not finna lock me down. That's not even my thing. Okay, so he left. And God told me he valued freedom. And he brought to mind how the children of Israel kept trying to go back. <laughs> kept trying when things got hard, they would go back. They would want to go back. Let us go back to Egypt. We'll be all right. It wasn't that bad after all. And Moses is like, what's wrong with these people, God? Help me to lead these people. What do these people are asking for this? And they're asking for this. Moses never said, okay, just go back. No, no. He, he didn't have and he couldn't identify with the slavery mindset. So that's why God used him. So Moses had to be brought forth in certain conditions and he loved the people enough because they were his people to lead them. Okay. So he didn't, he wasn't a slave like they were, but they were still his people. So, um, God had to bring, he had to cause these unique set of circumstances to come about. Okay. So that Moses could deliver the people of, um, Israel out of bondage. And in doing so, the Lord had um, established that he was God and he judged like the greatest nation of that time with plague. So all the surrounding nations are hearing about this and he's saying, I'm going to allow all this to happen. Everybody. So everybody will know I am I am God of all their gods, okay? And this is what happened with those plagues that we see in Egypt. God was um, bringing forth judgment on each of the Egyptian gods. And let me correct that. It's not, it wasn't um, each Egyptian god. It was uh, like 10 of them, okay? Because there, there, were, there were more than, than uh, 10. So let's talk about this. Um, when uh, the Lord caused the Nile to be turned to, to blood. This was judgment against the Nile River, which of course the Egyptians thought to be a sacred place. Um, when he uh, brought forth the plague of frogs, this was the challenge against the god Hedged. It's H-E-G-T, but um, it's a goddess and it was a woman who's depicted with the head of a frog. And I do believe she's some type of fertility god. And um, this is why we see those frogs, even in people's beds, there was like a special mention of that. Um, maybe in our culture, we don't know that what that would mean with that, you know, how that um, correlates. But, um, you know, the Hebrews reading this scripture, they would know like, oh, my goodness, they, they had frogs in people's beds. God had frogs in people's beds. This is that goddess of fertility. Like God is literally judging their gods. OK, so we wonder, like, I wonder why. God did this. Why did he allow this? Well, first of all, Pharaoh thought he was a God. Okay. So y'all have to understand that when um, Pharaoh said no to God and to God's people, he was challenging God in um, a specific kind of way. And he was already against God because he thought himself to be a God. The gnats um, or the mosquitoes were um, a challenge against their God named Seth, who was the God of the earth. The flies were... Um, a challenge against the fly, which was a divine symbol of the Egyptian army. 
the cattle being struck with disease. Y'all know Osiris. Are we familiar with that? That um, the bull, right? Remember they made that um, that calf. Well, bull Apis. It's a, a sacred living form of the god Osiris. So they would believe that Osiris would be in that um, bull or that cattle. And so this is why those cattle, the cattle were um, struck with disease and um, they were, uh, you know, killed. Um, the boils on the people was judgment against Sunu. And that is the goddess that protects against infections. She had a, a special priesthood. So we see that God is not just doing these things happenstance. What he's doing is he is really causing every single God that they worship to turn against them and to fall down as powerless. Listen to this. Um, when he released hail and fire, this was a challenge against Isis, the God of fire against Serapis, the God of water and against Neath, the God of the heavens. Okay. Um, the locust, it is, we're not too sure about which God that was, but it had to do with the worship of insects. Okay. Their, their worship of insects and darkness for the three days was judgment against Ra. We've all heard of Ra. And this is because he is the God of the sun. He was the chief deity. And so when God turned the sun to darkness, he's like, yep, I'm even bigger than Ra. And this 10th plague was the special plague because it was like the final stroke against Pharaoh. Why? Because he was the living God of Egypt. Okay. Who do we serve? What, what is he called? Who, who is he called in scripture? The only true and living God. So we have to understand that Pharaoh was living as he, like he was the only true and living God. He was trying to be like Jesus. Like, yep, I'm here. I'm just physically here, but in me is all of the fullness of all the, their particular gods in this one body. And this is why, this is where birthdays come from. Can I just interject this knowledge here? Come on. We love knowledge. Don't we? We love it. Um, the reason why we celebrate birthdays today is because of Pharaoh, because when Pharaoh ascended to his throne, that is the day that he was born as a God. Oh, and that day was celebrated every single year. This is Pharaoh's birthday. Why do we have cakes with candles? Well, because the Romans took, um, this tradition, this Egyptian tradition, and they begin to offer um, things to their God on, um, you know, their, their God's birthday. And so the Romans would offer a moon shaped cake and they would put candles on this cake and light it. And they would say prayers over it and, um, blow those, the, the, the candles out, let the prayers go up to their God named Artemis. Okay. This is how they decided to worship Artemis by acknowledging Artemis's birthday. I believe it's a, a female, a goddess. Artemis is their moon god. So they would make a cake to um to look like the moon. So it would be round. And so this is where we get our birthday cake. So how does the traditional birthday cake look, y'all? It's round, it has like vanilla frosting, it has candles on it. And this is where these um customs come from. It comes purely from paganism. Thank you, Jesus, for knowledge. Thank you, Jesus, for knowledge. Let me tell y'all, a birth to be birthed into this earth is a blessing. To have a birthday is a blessing. To live another year is a blessing. But what, what I don't do, I'll put it like that. This is what I don't do. I don't celebrate it like I'm a pagan. I don't celebrate it like, you know, um, I am kin to the Egyptians or like I am paying homage to Artemis, the lunar goddess, okay? So, um, but this is where birthdays come from, just in case we did not know, and um, y'all can look this up for yourself. It's history, as a matter of fact, is such a strong part of history that it is noted historically that for the first 300 years or so of Christianity, Christians did not celebrate their birthdays Jewish people did not celebrate their birthdays because it was not associated with our God. It was always associated with other gods. But when we came together, quote unquote, with the Catholic Church, when Christianity was no longer um, an illegal thing and we begin to fuse with pagan customs, birthdays eventually, I would say somewhere around like the 1500s, 1600s, and this is like maybe like a thousand years later, they became um, more commonly celebrated among Christians. But this was not something 
that Christian people did. This was not a tradition, a Christian tradition is actually out of all of the holidays that are celebrated, birthday celebrations and the way they're celebrated is rather new. Now with Hebrews, we see that they would have these weaning celebrations, okay, where once the baby was um, potty trained and off the breast, it's time to celebrate. Let's party, y'all, okay? <laughs> um, and, you know, they had their, their wedding, wedding celebrations and things of that nature. And, of course, they acknowledged their birth. They acknowledged that they're alive and things like that. They just didn't do it like pagans did. They didn't do it like the heathens did. So I just wanted to put that out there for any of us who would wonder, hey, why, why don't, you know, some people celebrate birthdays? Um, you know, what's so wrong with the birthday? Because if I can have an honest moment with y'all, that was one thing. I'm like, Jesus. Okay. I can see Christmas. I can see Thanksgiving. I can definitely see Easter. Okay. But what's wrong with the day of my birth? Like, why can't I acknowledge that day? It's not that you can't acknowledge it. It's not that you can't be happy about it. It's not that you can't, you know, I don't know, whatever. But for me, I'm saying for me, um, I don't want to do anything that um, that takes on customs that pays uh, that were created for other gods. None of us should ever do those things. OK, whatever was created for another God, it should not be in the life of a person who follows Jesus Christ. So birth, the way birthdays are traditionally and culturally celebrated here, I don't know about everywhere else. It is all rooted in the worship of other gods and their birthdays. Okay. So, um, let's get back to this plague. When we see, um, the firstborn of every household died, the first of uh, the first, and we see Pharaoh's son died. Um, this is a stroke or a strike against Pharaoh. He's the living God of Egypt. His firstborn son died, who was heir to the throne. And his son is also considered like this, this little boy was going to ascend to this, um, God status in the earth. And so, um, this was a judgment on, um, on Pharaoh's, uh, God, God, Godness, or let, let me say like his, his divinity or his deity. Okay. Quote unquote. Cause we all know he's just a regular human. Okay. So, um, yes. Yes, this is why um God did that. That that was that was packed. That was packed, right? Okay, so the reason why um this is so important for us to know is because when God was bringing the the children of uh Israel out of uh bondage, he was establishing them as a nation and he was saying, "I am the God even above all those chief gods in Egypt." Y'all going to see how I bring my people out with a strong hand and establish them. Don't fight with them. Don't mess with them because I'm their God. And so at this time, culturally, ancient Near East culture, um, things of that nature, these people, they would know like, okay, who's, who's their God? Who are they over there serving? Because we're not going to mess with them. Do you remember when Jonah was in the boat and they're like, okay, where are you from? And who's your God? <laughs> Because the some ain't right, okay? We're crying out to our gods. Ain't nothing happening. So who you serve? We cry out to your God. Um, this was something that was just normal for um, culture at that time. And so when God did this, he was saying, listen, to all the surrounding nations who, you know, are so ruled by your the worship of your gods and you try to go to war in the name of your gods. No, no, no. I am the God above all gods, okay? I don't care how wise the Egyptians are. I will cause all of their firstborn to die, even the one that's supposed to be a God eventually. I am that kind of God. Don't mess with my people because if you mess with my people, you're messing with me. I'm establishing them as a nation. Go get your land now. Okay. Okay. So that is what was happening. These things had to come about though in a certain time and season. God had to make uh, up or bring forth, I'll say that, um, a deliverer capable, okay, of handling that type of task. God had to empower someone to do it. God had to allow the people of Israel to come to a point of desperation where they were crying out and they were no longer comfortable and they were no longer willing to tolerate and they were no longer to be um, willing to be passive about what was happening, but they begin to cry out to God concerning what was taking place in 
their lives in God in the appropriate season. When the time came, the appointed time, he delivered them. Amen. Amen. Our God is wise. Our God is awesome. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And this is why those Egyptians, they no longer exist. Even in um, modern day Egypt, it is noted that those are not the Egyptians that like are depicted on their walls and all that. They, they are not kin to those people. It is like historically like, no, these are not like Nefertiti's nieces out here. Those, those Egyptians like were completely annihilated. Like, I don't know what happened to them. They're completely scattered. Okay. Just because there are people who live in modern day Egypt, that doesn't mean that they're descendants of Pharaoh. It's like God completely destroyed that, that nation that was alive during that time. Okay. So let's talk about Jesus's expectation for us to bring forth fruit in our season. Turn with me to Matthew 21 and we are going to read verses 18 and 19. Let's go there. I'm going there. As you can hear the pages of my Bible turning. All right. Matthew 21. We're going to read verses 18 and 19. And it says now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only and said unto it, let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. Now we understand this to symbolically be speaking about the Jewish nation that when he came, there was no fruit and they withered. Okay. Um, and you know, of course now everybody who believes in him, thank you, Jesus, whether they're Jew, Gentile, they're bearing fruit only because they abide in him. So we see this cursing of the fig tree um, as symbolic or emblematic. However, we can also see it as um, a type of depiction of God's will. He expects us, his people, to bear fruit. There are seasons that arise in our life where God says, I'm looking for you in this season to be able to produce this for me because of everything you've been going through and experiencing everything I've been pouring out on you, the right components of sun and water and light and all this stuff coming in. You should be bearing fruit now. Oh my goodness. This is why the Lord sent T sister Tiffany to tell y'all that as you're waiting, this is not a time of just, you know, being upset or complaining or confused that happens. I'm not knocking you for it. I understand it. I've been there. But in that, through everything, seek God, conform your identity to his word, cry out to the Lord, learn to travail, learn to delight yourself in him, learn to meditate on the word of God, learn to apply that meditated word into your life, into your actions. Okay. Let it conform you. And we're going to turn to Matthew. I mean, excuse me, the gospel of John. Let's turn to the gospel of John and we're going to go to the 15th chapter. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Don't we thank the Lord for his word? Hallelujah. John 15 and eight, it says herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. We are God's disciples. We are the disciples of Jesus Christ when we are bearing fruit and that's where the father gets the glory. But we have to bear fruit in our season. And if you want to know how that works and how that looks, I want y'all to read John, um, the 15th chapter. And you can read it up to about the, the 17th verse um, for more understanding. But the father is glorified when we bear fruit. He doesn't want to come to us and we don't have any fruit. But there are certain conditions and certain seasons where that fruit has to come about. Amen. We bring forth our fruit in our season, just like that tree that's planted by the rivers of water. And what do we know about the river? It flows from the throne of God in the book of Revelation. Amen. And this speaks to a deep connection to the Holy Spirit. This is what we want. This is where we want to be planted, where we're always watered. There is no way that a tree planted by a river of water is ever going to wither and not bear fruit in its season. Okay. And that is who the Lord says you are in the realm of the spirit. You're like this tree that's planted by the rivers of water. You are deeply grounded and rooted, unmovable, always abounding in the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to the name of the Lord. That's who you are. And it is God's will that you bring forth fruit 
in your season, okay? And as we see these seasons changing, time changing, you know, sometimes I look over, I looked over my notes and I realized that there was a day where I sat down and I just wrote everything that was taking place in my life because there was so many things going on. I said, okay, I'm gonna write every single thing down and then I'm gonna look over it. I'm gonna pray over these things and see. I want understanding and wisdom concerning what God is doing, what God is showing me, what God is saying to me. These people are no longer in my life. That situation has changed. I'm no longer doing that. I can't wear that anymore. I can't go here anymore. This, that, and the third. God wants me to pray for this amount of time. What is taking place, Lord? Come on, in all thy getting, get understanding. Okay? Um, but these are glorious times. Everything is happening for a reason. But you just want to make sure that you stay planted by the river. And don't you try to uproot yourself and go anywhere else because then you'll be like the chaff, which is literally like trash blowing in the wind. Amen. All right. I love you with the love of the Lord. I pray that you are encouraged. I pray that you are enlightened and I pray that you are ready to wait on the Lord, your God. He's so good. He's so awesome. And his mercy, it truly endures forever. And his truth, I mean, unto all generations. Hallelujah. Um, God bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, allow this word to be um, planted into good soil and let it bring forth fruit in the ears of every person who has heard it. God, I pray that you lift all of their burdens. I pray that they learn to give their burdens to you. I pray in the name of Jesus that they desire to seek you with their whole hearts in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, whatever it is that we are in need of, whatever it is that we're seeking you for, we thank you and we trust you because we know that in due season, we will reap if we don't faint. So God, help us to not faint. Hallelujah. Help us to mount up with wings as eagles in the name of Jesus Christ. Help us to learn to wait on you. You're beautiful. You're holy. You're just. You're faithful. You're true. It's all about you. It's not even all about us, Jesus. It's all about you. What are you doing? What are you attempting to pull and extract from us? What kind of glory are you going to get out of this? Hallelujah. Help us to understand in the name of Jesus Christ. We love you and we're calling upon you. And you said that if we call upon you, you would show us great and mighty things that we didn't know. Show us those things, Father God, in the name of Jesus. And let your spirit just be poured upon us without measure. Send your angels, Father, in the name of Jesus to minister to us in the name of Jesus during our times of travail and distress in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that we will bring forth in our season. It's in Jesus name that we pray. Amen.